Hey, all Pastor Amel here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far, far sweeter. And uh, it's a little early for ice cream. It's not morning, but uh, a little too close to dinner time for me. Plus, again, as I mentioned earlier, my diet went down the tubes over the holidays and post-holidays. And so uh, I got to limit the number of times I indulge in ice cream. So here I am again. It's uh, late afternoon and uh, need a little pick-me-up anyway. So some uh, Earl Grey tea, a little bit of honey in there, thanks to Lori. And a shout-out for for getting the honey for me. And uh, hope you have a chance to get a little pick-me-up. Maybe you got some coffee or uh, maybe a little afternoon treat of some kind, something tasty, something sweet, and encourage you to join me as uh, we talk a little bit about how Jesus is so sweet. Jesus is sweeter because he helps you trust again anyway. So uh, grab something, grab a bite, grab a sip right now. If you remember this past Sunday when I had my wife Heather in here, we talked a lot about kind of trying again to trust and build relationships and kind of starting over again. That was something that, that we had to do in order to come down here at Open Arms, and it's something that, that we find ourselves continuing to do and open up and try a little bit more uh, each day, each week, each month. And um, that's not an easy thing to do, but we find that Jesus is a one of the things, one of the people, he is the the power, the resource that helps us to do that. And doing this again, trusting again, is not just something that you do because you're a pastor, a pastor's wife, a pastor's family, right? This is something that probably everyone has to struggle with at some point. Everyone has to deal with being let down by someone by parents, by spouses, by uh, kids. Uh, you, you know, maybe um, you've been through a divorce or uh, there's a friend that uh, betrayed you or, or you know, you've, you've been burned by people in the past. There's thousands of different ways that that happens in, in a variety of realms, in the workplace too, in the community. And... We, again, I, I'm, I'm speaking, I think, for myself, but also for my wife. Uh, maybe we'll get her back in here to share her own methods, how she did that. But uh, I think I'm speaking for both of us when I say that Jesus is a tremendous resource. Jesus is the resource, I think, the power that helps us to to do this. After our conversation on Sunday— I thought about this saying. I used to actually have it up on my wall above my uh, computer screen. But um, we moved here, and I don't know if that piece of paper even made it. (laughs) But I went and found one and printed it. Uh, It's also hard to do in my office now because right above my office is a window. And so there's blinds there and everything. It's kind of hard to put things up right behind it, but... Anyway, if you're watching the video, you can kind of see. There we go. 
This is the uh, the, the saying, set of words that uh, are attributed to Mother Teresa, actually. And somebody, Pat, Pat, if you're out there, you, you gave these to me a few years back. And uh, the context was in trying to reach people, bless people, uh, share the gospel with people, develop relationships with people outside the faith, outside the church. And she gave this to me after a conversation where we were talking about all the ways that we're going to get burned, all the ways we're going to get hurt, all the ways people are not going to reciprocate what we're trying to do, the relationship we're trying to build, and she sent me this. And uh, there, there's supposedly things that were written on a wall in the children's school that Mother Teresa was running in Calcutta, India. I don't know if that's true. I've actually seen them written a couple of different ways, but either way, it's uh, tremendously helpful. Here's what it says. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. Would you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. Really uh, pretty inspiring and I think you can buy them and you, know, you can buy a, a plaque or something or a, something that goes up on the wall, has these things written on it. Or you can do what I did, just print a copy and put it up above your uh, computer screen. But I guess the question is how do you do it? What What is the power that helps you do that? Because... This is exhausting. <laughs> I mean, it's inspiring until you actually try to do it, <laughs> right? I mean, it's inspiring uh, until the reality of what it takes to do it becomes overwhelming. It's, uh, it's not easy to do these things. Of course, that doesn't mean that you uh, shouldn't do it because it's not easy, but how do you do it? Eventually, you try it often enough, you find yourself coming to the end of yourself. You you don't have any more to give. You don't have any resources to forgive, to be kind, to succeed, to be honest, to build, to be happy, to do good, to give your best. And even if it is between you and your God, right? Like, oh, this is about God, and so I need to be motivated to do this or else, right? I mean, that's one way you can take this. But the way I have thought about this and the way that we, I think, found our way to trusting again, to trying again, to uh, 
putting ourselves out there again, maybe in an even more potentially disastrous way because uh, think about what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, this is live. Uh, this is broadcast. This is available in a, a number of different places. This could actually be a, f- uh, a whole lot more worse uh, results that, that develop out of this. W- what do you have that helps you to keep going? What fills you up after you've been emptied? And so for me, like we think about forgiveness, right? That's the first one on this list here. Forgive these people who are unreasonable, self-centered, and you know they're not even thinking a little bit about you. They're offending you. They're making your life difficult. And uh, how do you find the strength to forgive? Well, for me, it just takes a little bit of reflection upon the forgiveness I have in Jesus. Jesus, who says to forgive 70 times, seven times. Jesus, who forgives me 70 times, seven times, and more. Jesus, who paid for that forgiveness with his own precious blood. Jesus, who is very aware of my own unreasonableness and my own self-centeredness and who forgives me anyway, knowing that I'm probably going to do a lot of those things I've just done again. Be kind anyway, even if people accuse you of ulterior motives or don't respond with kindness. Where do you find the resources to do that? Well, Jesus was awfully kind to me. Jesus has been awfully kind to an awful lot of people, despite the fact that there were an awful lot of people that didn't care about his kindness. They didn't respect his kindness. They assumed his kindness was meant for something else, that he had ulterior motives, that Uh, He was in it for himself, maybe for power or uh, influence or wealth or or something like that. Uh, People responded just because people are mean, (laughs) and they didn't care about how kind he was. They took it for granted. They knew that they would forget his kindness very quickly. You actually see that in the New Testament where uh, he does a lot of good things, and then Next thing you know, these people are walking away from him because he says something that's a little too hard for them to handle. Makes them think a little too hard. Makes them uh, think about doing life in a different way. Challenges what they always assumed was uh, the way to do it. Challenges the ways they felt secure in the way they had built their lives. They walked away. And yet, he was kind anyway. Kind, even when Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders confronted him and challenged him and made his life complicated, was kind even after uh, he did tremendous things for uh, all kinds of people. And they walked away. In in one case in particular, Luke 17, there's a story about uh, 10 lepers. And only one comes back to say thank you for the kindness. And yet that's not the last time that Jesus is kind. It's not the only time Jesus is kind. Succeed anyway, right? You're going to win some false friends and some true enemies. Keep trying anyway. Keep 
attempting to accomplish those things that God has put on your heart and your mind, even though it will bring with it some folks that will be more interested in your success than in you, and bring about some folks that are jealous and interested in taking you down because you represent something that they dislike. Succeed anyway. Like I just mentioned, Jesus had all kinds of false friends. <laughs> he had all these crowds that are following him, thinking that he's just awesome and just looking to see the next trick he's got up his sleeve and thinking that maybe somehow they're going to benefit from this. And, of course, he developed some true enemies, people that were constantly challenging everything he said. He succeeded anyway. <laughs> He still won forgiveness, eternal life, so many blessings, an abundant future, a place in his kingdom. He did that anyway, knowing all of these things would happen. And if you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway, right? Jesus is being put on trial by people who are far from honest. He is honest, and they use his honesty against him. In fact, they're actually saying things that are far more true than they realize in some of these cases, uh, particularly in John's gospel. I think there's a lot of irony in John's gospel, but but in the others as well, where, where things are happening, <laughs> he's being honest, and they're taking it as as a threat, and uh, certainly not being honest themselves, and then he becomes a victim of their dishonesty for his honesty, the truth that he was preaching and teaching. He was honest anyway. Would you spend years building someone else could destroy overnight? Build anyway, right? Jesus built up lives, built up people, and in and through a variety of people throughout the years, he's built up the church, the body of Christ, even though it can be destroyed overnight. I think we saw this back in August in Afghanistan, where a lot of Christians were under tremendous pressure after the U.S. kind of withdrew from Afghanistan, that whole kind of, the way that whole thing kind of fell apart. And yet Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had built anyway, knowing that there would be this, knowing that that kind of thing would would happen around the world, knowing that even now, uh, as we look around our own country, where churches are closing all the time, every day, and if they're not closing, they're getting closer and closer to closing. The, the, the church as we have known it and, and identified it is, is crumbling before us. And yet Jesus knew that would happen, and he built anyway. God built that temple in Jerusalem, even though in 70 AD he knew that it would be destroyed. He, he did all of these things for us. And so we build anyway. We build up people primarily first, I would say. 
We build relationships. We build organizations and ministries that serve people, even if it can be destroyed overnight. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus continues to do. He continues to build things, build relationships, build bridges to support us and to support people around the world, even though those things shift and change all the time. Because we're that special. He loves us that much. Be happy anyway. Have joy. (laughs) Find serenity and happiness. Other people might be jealous. Be happy anyway. Actually, there's a story in the Gospels. It comes up, I think, in at least three of the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. That's uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They kind of tell similar stories. They follow similar patterns in ways that uh, John does not. So they're called the Synoptic Gospels. They kind of fit together. And there's this story about the religious leaders of the day asking Jesus, you know, why is it that your followers, your disciples, aren't fasting? Why why aren't they in, in this mourning uh, period? Why aren't they kind of in this reflective, repentant period? Why are they having so much fun? <laughs> why are they enjoying themselves, right? And, and he has a, an interesting response, you know, how do you— not celebrate when the bridegroom is with you, right? That's when you have the party, right? This is this is party time. And so they have me with them, and there's a time when they'll fast and mourn and, and all those kinds of things. But he's, he's telling them, hey, I don't care if you're jealous. I don't care if you're upset about this, offended by it somehow. We're allowed to have joy. In fact, John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, uh, I'm I'm fairly certain that the wine that Jesus produces, the water he turns into wine, 180 gallons of wine, is a sign for the joy that the Messiah, Jesus, brings. And so I think we're probably, as Christians, we probably need a little bit more joy. We need to celebrate a little bit more, right? But uh, wait a sec, how are we going to be happy? All these people are going to think are, we're, uh, they're going to get jealous, and, and all these people are going to think weird things about us, like why don't we care about what's going on in the world, and why aren't we sad like everybody else? And, and uh, well, you know what? Be happy anyway. Be joyful anyway. And hey, what about the fact that there's all kinds of reasons right around the corner for us to mourn? Sickness, pain, death, all number of ways of suffering. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. How often have I forgotten the good that Jesus has done for me? How good have I forgotten the good that God has done for me, providing for me? picking me up when I've fallen down, giving me new starts when I didn't deserve them, even when I hadn't remembered to thank him, even when I thought it was all about me, when I thought that I had done it, that I was totally independent, self-reliant, forgotten all about him, he continues to do good for me anyway. There's a a passage in, uh, I think it's Matthew 5, where Jesus says that 
God sends his rain on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. And I remember I was going in for an appendectomy back in 2002. I was away at college. And so my immediate family, extended family, nobody in my family was nearby. I was about four or 500 miles away from home. But we had, uh, I had developed sort of a church family, a family of believers that I had gathered with, a small group that they had meeting every Friday. And uh, they came to the hospital and prayed with me, really fantastic people. Uh, Pat, Ken, uh, Ron and Diane, Vicki, uh, I think there were some others there too, really took good care of me. And I remember Ron actually said something about how God sends rain on the just and the unjust. And I think what he meant at the time was that, you know, bad things happen to God's people and not God's people. So sort of rain as punishment or not punishment, but trials, challenges. But I actually think rain in a place like the Middle East is a precious gift. (laughs) Rain is a blessing. Rain is provision from God. Rain is doing good to the people of this planet. Now, not if it's 15 inches of rain in a matter of a few hours or even a day or two, but rain is a good thing. I think there's a song, country song, rain is a good thing. I'm not going to go into that right now. Y'all have heard that probably before I've said it. But uh, God sends good on the just and the unjust. He, He sends good to everyone, even people that don't even acknowledge he exists. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. How do you do that? Uh, It seems more and more obvious to me every day that the people that give their best the most often either are empowered by Jesus or eventually find themselves collapsing. It's exhausting. You need something to hold up your identity even when your best isn't enough. You need something that helps you say, I am still a worthwhile, valuable, important person in the universe. Even when my best isn't enough, even when I fail, even when others look at me and go, that's all you got? And for us, that's Jesus. That's Jesus looking at us and saying, you know what? I don't care what you ever do. You you could actually not do anything ever of any kind of significance. Your best can be absolutely pathetic and pitiful. But I want you to know, this is how much I love you. And he goes to the cross. He stretches out his hands. He's nailed to the cross. He is abandoned by God in our place as he who knew no sin became sin for us. We're loved. We're accepted. We're precious and valuable 
simply because of who we are and because of who we are to the creator of the universe, right? So like if there's some nobody that looks at you and says, yeah, you're pretty special. You're pretty cool. I like you. You know, that might feel nice, but if they're a nobody, what does their opinion mean? Nothing. If the most important person on the planet, the most famous person on the planet, the most powerful person in um, in politics, the wealthiest person, they look at you and they say, man, kid, you got something. Well, then you might go, wow, that must mean something. Maybe it's somebody that you have a lot of respect for. Maybe they're in your chosen field, your profession, uh, your line of work, whatever it is that you're doing, and, and you just know that they're great, and they come to you and they say, you are onto something. Wow, <laughs> right? Wow. Now imagine that the one who hung the stars, who took nothing and turned it into this immense expanse of the universe that we have that is so big we can't even get to all of it before we die. (laughs) The one who provides water and and sun and moon and uh, food and clothing and so many other pleasures and joys in life, he thinks you are something. To me, that gives us all the power we need to give our best, no matter how much it may suck. (laughs) No matter how much our best may suck, give your best anyway. Because you know what? God is just glad you're here. God is just glad you're trying. He's just tickled to death that you are responding with love to the love that he has shown you. Uh, Incidentally, I think this is something that probably a lot of churches lose sight of. I know I've lost sight of it as a pastor, as a leader in the church. That uh, Actually, we were having a conversation about this today. I don't don't think I can get the whole story right, but uh, Gary, Brother Gary, Gary Wood, was at the uh, monthly prayer meeting that the mayor has, and... He told this story about a box. <laughs> they needed some box for something, and nobody else was doing it. And he decided he was going to do it, right? And so he made this box. And, and it may just be a fictional story. I can't remember all the details of it, but it was a great story because he said, I made this box, and there are all these people looking at it and going, well, that's not the greatest box. Well, you know, I know how to make boxes. I know how to do stuff like that. And you should have done it like this. You should have done it like that. And he said, well, you may have seen the need and you may have the expertise, but you did not take the time to actually do it. I don't have the expertise, but I did see the need and I took the time to do it. So basically, <laughs> shut up. He didn't say that. I'm saying shut up. So shut up. <laughs> right? You didn't do it. Someone else did it. Leave it alone. It's their best and it's enough, right? Uh, God honors it. God loves it. God's glad that it was done. Probably lots of other people are glad that this was done. This was some kind of need. And and so, uh, you know, the church, I think we should just look at what people do, the, the best they do, and say, you know what? 
even when it's not great, they did it. They they stepped up. They did something for God. And yeah, we may have to get things organized a little bit differently to help make this whole thing work, but what a blessing. What a blessing. Um, I think we're we're too often in pursuit of excellence in a way that undermines people's contributions to the mission. I'm all about excellence. I think we should strive to be the best that we can, especially uh, you know trying to bring the gospel to people. It, it's going to take us doing our best, refining our efforts thinking critically about what we've done and how we can do it better without getting our panties in a bunch, right? And how do you do that? Well, you need to have a rock-solid identity built on Christ uh, again, right? Excellence is a good thing, but sometimes excellence drives people away because they feel underappreciated. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough for the world. But in Jesus, it is finished, think we need to do a better job of receiving the imperfect efforts that people put forth in the name of Christ because they're imperfect people serving a perfect Savior who takes the imperfect and makes it perfect and brings it all together by his power at work in us and in the world through the Holy Spirit. So these are just some reflections. Um, you know, it's tough to, to start again. It's tough to do things anyway, knowing that you're going to get kicked in the mouth over and over and over again. But Jesus was kicked in the mouth an awful lot. Uh, Jesus has done so much good and and done so many kind things and forgiven and, and everything that we've talked about here on this list. And he's done it in ways that none of us will ever even begin to come close to. And he has suffered loss in ways that none of us will ever experience because he did in our place. And so to me, that gives me great strength, great resolve to stand back up again, to to try again, to trust again, to work again, to build again, to be kind again, to give your best again. Doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but it's a, a little process. You know, it's a process, a little bit at a time, a little one day, one week, one month, one year at a time, until you you get back somewhere. And in some ways, you never fully get back to what you did before, and that's probably a good thing. I believe I mentioned this when I sat down with my wife on Sunday, but I'll I'll mention it again. This story after the wedding at Cana and after Jesus cleanses the temple, it says at the end of chapter 2 in John's Gospel that Jesus had these people who were believing in him. But then it says that he did not entrust himself to them because he knew the hearts of men. There's a certain sense in which we have over-emphasized the trust that we have placed in other people, the way that we have trusted, the amount of trust. We've made people into something that they can't be. 
They can't ever be 100% trustworthy all the time. They can't ever be 100% honest and kind and forgiving and reasonable and uh, other-centered and and uh, happy for your happiness and, uh, you know, accepting of your best and, and so many other things, right? They're, they're people. They're terrible. <laughs> what's wrong with the world? I, this is what I say to my kids. What's wrong with the world, guys? People. <laughs> That's what's wrong with the world. And what's right with the world? People, people, relationships are what make the world, love and relationships is what makes the world a special place and what's going to continue on into eternity. Probably have to spend some time talking about that another time. But part of what has hurt me and probably my wife and, and probably you too the most is the fact that we have over-trusted we have sought something from people and from these efforts and, and from all of these things that uh, situations where we found ourselves excuse me found ourselves getting burned. They are not Jesus. They are not perfect. They are not going to give us the ultimate joy and satisfaction. They are not going to be our ultimate source of hope and freedom and meaning and purpose, right? That can only come from God. That can only come from Jesus. And so as you begin to trust again anyway, as you begin to forgive again anyway, to be kind again, to succeed again, to be honest again, to build again, to be happy and joyful again, to do good, to give your best again anyway— Expect it to kind of go sideways. (laughs) Expect it to be a bit of a train wreck. But expect that Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will always exceed whatever anyone else offers. Jesus will always forgive you. Jesus will always express kindness to you. Jesus will be with you as a true friend in your successes and and not work against you. Jesus will not cheat you or be dishonest with you. Jesus uh, won't try to destroy you or, or anything else. Jesus isn't looking for uh, he's not going to be jealous for your happiness. He he is someone who actually rejoices with you in your joy. He's not going to forget about the good that you're trying to do. He's not going to uh, give up on you because your best isn't enough. He's going to love you uh, with his best and remind you that his best is what was enough ultimately and that you were worth every ounce of himself that he gave. Good to be with you. God bless you. Hope this has been helpful. Hopefully you got a nice little pick-me-up from Jesus and from your coffee or tea or whatever it was, energy drink or Mountain Dew, something like that. Or uh, if this is before bed, you got a little uh, uh, sugar high out of your ice cream or your dessert of some kind. King cake around here, king cake season. Hope this is a way to help you try again, whatever it may be. God bless you.
Uh, looking forward to having my wife in here again soon. By the way, she has some corrections about the story I told on Tuesday with my kids. Uh, I hope to have her in here to set the record straight a little bit, uh, correct some some details about my remembering of the specific night in question, uh, but hopefully to fill out the idea that uh, grace is really important and uh, needs to be our emphasis. Don't forget to like, to comment, to share, to subscribe, to do all those wonderful things and uh, spread the good news that uh, ice cream is sweet, honey is sweet, king cake is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter because Jesus can help you trust again, to try again, to do good again, to be kind again, to forgive again because he's never out. He's always got plenty to fill you up. I'll be with you. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye.